if, if anything, people were watching that and probably going, oh, we should go to AMC to watch this. Mm -hmm. If anything, instead of AMC asking them to take it down, they should have made a deal that before Saw X, this version <laughs> of it played. That would have been hilarious. You're not Nick. What? <laughs> Did this happen? What the Freaky Friday? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Nick is on vacation, everybody, but he actually did send a message he wanted me to read to you all. Give me one second. He said, uh, I hate you all. I hate Dalton. I hate the show. I'm forced to do it every week, and I literally have not been there in a while. I've been AI for the past several weeks. He's a silly, funny guy, that one. But uh, but yeah, he'll, he'll be back soon. And, uh, you know, how's it going, babe? It's good. I, I was just thinking right before we hit record, it's been like, what, six months at least since I've been on uh, here? It's been a while. I'm very rusty. I yeah. feel like uh, I'm going to get into the swing of things in a second, but it's hard. It's hard to fill Nick's shoes. That's all I'm going to say. They are big shoes. He is a clown. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, how the show's going to work today, guys. We have three main topic stories, and we have three B-roll stories. It's a pretty packed show. And then we'll move on to, of course, the best part of the show. You know what it is at the end. And uh, with that said, Hannah, can you please introduce us our first story today? I would love to. Uh, our first story today comes from Variety. Uh, Disney Charter settle cable dispute hours before debut of ESPN's Monday Night Football. So uh, the reason why you might be thinking, like, why, why are we covering? We're like a mainly a movie show. Like, why are we covering that like we mostly cover movie and tv not sports that whole thing well because there's something hidden in this article that could have huge implications for movies tv and streaming going forward that i wanted to point out uh, anyone who has spectrum when they went to watch college football a few weeks ago about a week and a half ago they noticed that their cable suddenly didn't work and it was because you know spectrum and disney couldn't come to a deal and so spectrum you know withheld their or Disney withheld their service to Spectrum. Crazy, they couldn't see it the other way around. But they uh, decided to do that, and then they came to a last-minute deal as football was airing, and now they have a new deal. And as part of that new deal is something that I find quite fascinating. I'm going to pull from the Variety article here. Under terms of the new pact, Disney will make the ad-supported version of Disney Plus available to as many as 9.5 million subscribers under a wholesale arrangement while making ESPN Plus available to those same customers, and Disney agreed to make the flagship version of its ESPN direct-to-consumer product, long speculated as a major step for the company, available to charter Spectrum customers when it launches. So, essentially, in a slow rollout, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus will now be available to people on Spectrum, rather than making their own accounts. To me, this is huge, mm -hmm. because what we've seen a trend of happening in streaming recently is them going back to the old cable TV model of using ad-supported stuff, you know, with the whole strikes and the residual argument. Like, that's probably going to come back around. And so it used to be, how can we get the best library to get people to sign up for our streaming service? And now it's, how do we get people to not cancel our streaming service? How do we get people to, you know, because originally it was, let's make a bunch of original content. This is for all streaming, not just Disney here. And then what people found out was they were burning millions of dollars and they making stuff and the signups were not equaling what it was supposed to happen, and all this thing's going down. But now Disney has decided, hey, rather than, you know, are we going to lose some personal subscriptions from this? Yes, but all they're going to be doing is signing up for cable, and we can count that as a Disney Plus subscription. 
And I think they're going to use that to try to mm-hmm. do some numbers with their shareholders, even though they already are in a bit of trouble for doing that in the past. But this is huge that a streaming platform is going to be available on a cable platform like that has not happened yet cable is holding on man we everyone thought it was dead and then at the last minute they're they're crawling back like they're just <laughs> struggling to make it but i thought this was interesting and i think this could have major implications for things moving forward in regard to streaming maybe we see this with showtime and paramount maybe we see this with a ton of other stuff uh what are your thoughts on Disney allowing Disney Plus and ESPN Plus to be available via Spectrum. Yeah, it's weird. I'm I'm still kind of wrapping my head around it because uh, I feel like we've come full circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had cable and then it was all streaming and now back to cable. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know. This is just, it was going to happen, I feel like, with just everything going on or mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I feel like so much with streaming changes of now it's this and now we're combining this and now we're yeah. in cable. And I'm, at this point, it's like streaming fatigue where I'm like, mm-hmm. sure, okay, like whatever, you know? Yeah. Um. So it's interesting. And yeah, I think uh, Paramount or, you know, Showtime or whatever these things, I'm sure something will, uh, maybe other deals will happen with other cable things, but I'm not really shocked. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised to see where this is going to go and mm-hmm. how the numbers are going to work with it. But uh, it is interesting. And it, yeah. it's especially interesting that they made it just their ad-supported tier because oh. uh, they, they want it, you know. Right now, all the streaming services are trying to get you to sign up for their ad tier so that because the more people who watch the ads, the more money they're making. That's right. how cable TV worked. And so that's why the prices of streaming are going up for everyone, especially the price of non-ads sure. is going up because they want you to like buckle down and go to the ad one so that there are more eyeballs on the ads, meaning more streaming revenue and ad revenue from the ads. It's it's a whole mess. Yeah, I would love, I'd make it, but I'm lazy. I'd love for someone to make a documentary about the full streaming wars. Like, hmm. like that would be so, I'd watch the hell out of that. That'd be really fun. That would be really fascinating. I bet, you know how like sometimes... Uh, big things will happen and you're like, oh man, there'll be a documentary of that in a couple years. I don't know, something mm-hmm. big on the news. I Yeah, I feel like in a couple years there's going to be this huge, I'm sure there'll be a lawsuit or something messy and then we'll get this great limited series on Netflix about how <laughs> <On> streaming. streaming. <laughs> uh, it'll be great. <laughs> or you could go the dumb money route and just make a movie really quick. Mm-hmm. That would be cool too. Streaming's just more meta. It is. And ironic. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in favor of that. There you go. There you go. So uh, what do you guys think about Disney Plus and ESPN Plus eventually being available on cable? And do you think this could change the game? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Hannah, what do you got for us next? Yeah, our next story is also from Variety. Uh, Marvel VFX workers unanimously vote to unionize with IATSE. So um, for those of you wondering what that means, you might be thinking, what's IATSE? We've talked about it on the show before, but for newcomers, it is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. And they cover the crew of every single theater and um, film production, basically. Mm -hmm. If you work for a big company, you get people from IATSE to be on your crew. It's just part of the union. It's what they do. They almost struck last year. That that would have been a a big one. (laughs) But, yes. So, um, we talked about in the past that the the in-house Marvel VFX workers wanted to unionize, but there's no VFX union. Mm -hmm. So, it was tough to figure out how to do that. And they kind of found out legally that they qualify under the crew members and IATSE. So they vote they submitted their paperwork to kind of vote to unionize as part of IATSE and it has officially been approved. And this marks the first time that a unit of solely VFX workers has unionized with IATSE. 
And um, Disney, the Disney in-house VFX workers have applied mm. following Marvel. So the Marvel one has been approved. Soon I'm sure we'll hear that the Disney one's been approved. But it looks like finally these VFX workers are going to be treated better because of the union. But that's also, we need to, you know, th- this doesn't include ILM. This doesn't include Framestore. Mm. It doesn't include all of these major, major VFX houses yet. Yes. But I think the more that this happens to the more likely we are to see something like this happen. And I, I think eventually this will get to VFX getting their own union entirely. I'm going to pull a little bit from the Variety article here. In a historic move, Marvel Studios visual effects workers unanimously voted in favor of unionizing with the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, IATSE, in an election held by the National Labor Relations Board. The company announced on Wednesday, this marks the first time a unit of solely VFX workers has unionized with IATSE. The Marvel Studios workers initially filed for the election on August 7th. Votes were cast and collected between August 21st and September 11th. During the count on September 12th, all votes were in favor of of unionizing with IATSE and zero were against. So, obviously, this is huge for VFX workers. You know, Vulture in particular uh, has been covering the poor treatment of VFX workers and animators over the past year and a half or so. Um, Whether it be with Marvel stuff and Marvel movies to Sony with animation and Spider-Verse stuff to even DC you know, just watch The Flash, you know those VFX workers were probably time-crunched and pushed really hard. So um, what are your thoughts on the Marvel VFX in-house people getting a union within IATSE, and do you think this will lead to more? Absolutely. Um, no, I'm in favor for it. I, as I was reading it, I was like, finally, like, <laughs> I've been watching the show and have seen you guys report on uh, the fair, uh, unfair treatment of all the Marvel VFX. And like you said, the Flash and Marvel, like, we've seen the negative effects of their overworking hours and underpay uh, in Marvel, in all of these uh, large studios. So um, I think it was a matter of time, and I'm, I'm frankly very excited. I mean, is it going to push things back again some more, right? Um, of course, but um, no, I, I'm excited. I think um, that this is one of many. I, I We saw, obviously, there's the WGA, SGA, or SAG, and um, I think this is, like, maybe the one that will open the floodgates even more like this is i don't know i feel like this is huge especially for like today's world where uh, cgi and like uh how much we rely on all this and these these media things uh this is just just feels very big um and then maybe we'll see additional uh striking i don't know like directors or costuming or whatever all these other things are um because so much of Hollywood right now is, is banking on VFX. I mean, every everything is important. Um, but anyway, I, I'm rambling at this point. I'm just excited. <laughs> I feel like I spoke a lot. Uh, I'm just very passionate about this. Um, you know, like I, I just said that um, the Hollywood is kind of riding on the backs of VFX workers right now with the amount of CGI that we're seeing. I mean, Avatar the Way of Water, like uh, CGI is so important. And VFX workers um, are finally getting the... Um, the the frontline pages you know they're they're making headlines they're making news putting a stand that they are important so i think there's only great things that will come from it i think so too i think so too what do you guys think about the marvel in-house vfx workers um being able to unionize within ihotzi let us know as we move on to our final main topic story today and uh hannah what's our final main topic story (laughs) our final main topic i'm very excited about this one (laughs) um (laughs) have you uh you know what amc is I'm aware. You're familiar? Yeah. Uh, Are you familiar with the iconic 
uh, opening to every single one of their films uh, with Nicole Kidman. Of course, of course. Uh, like everyone else's. Uh, well, this last story um, is very interesting. Uh, Saw X, which is the newest uh, Saw movie coming out, just released its own hilarious parody of the Nicole Kidman AMC ad. Yeah. And then what happened? AMC sent them the season desist. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I want to talk about this. And, and I, I want it to be known. This is coming from somebody who is an avid AMC A-lister. I go to the movies all the fucking time and I do it through A-list. It's my preferred theater chain. It's my preferred theater subscription plan. With that being said, AMC, what a bunch of pussies, man. Oh, my God. For Okay, here's what fascinates me about it. Here's what fascinates me about it. All it did was make me want to go see that at an AMC. 100%. Like, literally, I'm watching it. They don't make fun of AMC at all in it. They don't say anything disparaging. It's And it's clearly parody, which is protected under the First Amendment, as everybody knows. And it just... No negative things about AMC were said. Even if anything, people were watching that and probably going, oh, we should go to AMC to watch this. Mm-hmm. If anything, instead of AMC asking them to take it down, they should have made a deal that before Saw X, this version <laughs> of it played. That would have been hilarious. But what does this accomplish? That you're so butthurt that it's like, take it down. Thankfully, people on the internet saved it and it's still out there. You can find it. But Lionsgate had to take it down. Because Lionsgate, you're probably thinking, like, well, Lionsgate could have fought it and won. Absolutely. But AMC is the biggest movie theater chain in the world, their main distributor. So they were like, it's probably not worth the fucking fight. Just fucking do it, you know. But, like, what the fuck, guys? (laughs) It was so funny. It was so funny. It wasn't making fun of people. If anything, what that does is it tells you, the original creator, how big that is. Like, what it's... Do you can't put something in the pop cultural zeitgeist on purpose. Mm-hmm. You can't. It just happens. And it just happened with that Nicole Kidman ad. It's in the zeitgeist. Everyone knows it. Like you can start you can quote that ad. Like you can go in public and say, We come to this place for magic and somebody will finish it. Like it just you know it. And so by them doing that is an acknowledgement of like what you've achieved. Mm-hmm. And instead of being like tongue in cheek and like responding on Twitter or something, they made them take it down. Ridiculous. Fucking ridiculous, AMC. You should be ashamed. Will I stop going to your theater? No, but you should be ashamed. Ridiculous. (laughs) It was hilarious. And it was a compliment. SNL did one where they actually made fun of AMC, and I didn't hear anything about them being pissed about that. Lionsgate, you did nothing wrong. It was hilarious. Anyone who's watched, if you have not watched it, please find it. It is so fucking funny. It's so good. I was passionate about that. You are. I was way, I was going to jump in because I'm also passionate. And I was like, no, I'm going to ride this one out. I want to see you no. see you to the extent. Um, I'd like to think that Nicole Kidman herself saw that ad and said, take it down. <laughs> I don't care who you have to fire. Get somebody over to the Lions Gate and take it down no. for whatever reason. Listen, Nicole Kidman's cooler than that. She probably saw that ad and was like, that's fucking funny. That's fair. Like, that's probably exactly what Nicole that's Kidman fair. thought. That's fair. I'm just, yeah. I'm also like, why? And for what? It, yeah. it, it everybody... Everybody know, knows that ad now, and you're yeah. right; it only fueled it. But I guess they're they're just particular about their Nicole yeah. Kidman. And like, if Lionsgate had more money, like if Lionsgate was mm. Disney big, I would have fucking because I'm petty. I I would have been like, well, we're not playing at AMC; we're only going to Regal and Cinemark now. Sure. And it's a horror movie made for probably twenty dollars, so like it'd make its money. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not a stupid AMC, dumb, very dumb. I love you, Lionsgate. Never change. 
Dude, the marketing for this movie has been fantastic. Oh my god, yes. All around. Like, and, they keep it up. And Saw, the franchise has slowly been going it, downhill. You know, so this is a positive yeah. uptick. And this movie, to my understanding, takes place between one and two. Oh. So you only have to have seen Saw 1 to understand what's going on. There you go. Oh, wait, no, I've seen Spiral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. But, but yeah, I, I had to rant about that, guys. I apologize, but... But yeah, I thought, sound off in the comments. Should AMC have done the right thing and just played along with it and not taken it down? Or do you think, and hey, you know, I'm not I'm not attacking anybody who thinks differently. Do you think they had the right to take that down? Let us know in the comments as we move on to the B-roll section of our show. Just a quick recap. Uh, B-roll are stories that we wanted to bring you the headlines and let you know what's going on, but we didn't have time to do a full deep dive Hannah, what's first up on the B-roll? First up for the B-roll, a bloody disgusting report that Tony Todd will return as Bloodworth in Final Destination 6. This makes me very happy. Uh, any Final Destination fans out there know, uh, I believe his name's William Bloodworth uh, in Final Destination. He was in 1, 2, and 5. He plays the uh, coroner mortician who always tells the characters that they're fucked. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's my favorite thing. He just shows up and goes, yeah, you guys are all dead. Now, yep. see ya. And then yep. like... And, but apparently in this new one, in the Bloody Disgusting Report, it says, like, it's going to dive deep into, like, his... Yeah, Backstory? Yeah. Like, and how I'm, does he have all the answers I'm always? I'm stoked about it. I'm really excited. But, yeah, I'm excited about that. What's what's next on the B-roll? Uh, the next one is, uh, ooh, Werewolf by Night in Color will be released on 1020. So I have mixed feelings about this. Really? Yes. Because I love the black and white version a lot. Right. What I loved about it was how gory it was. And I'm worried that in the color version, they're going to make it not as gory. So that it won't be like R-rated. Because I think the reason why they got away with it was because it was black and white. Mm. And, you know, I it was clearly intended to be black and white. But with that being said, why I'm pleased with it. One, apparently Michael Giacchino is like, it was fully, has been involved with it. Which makes me happy. And two, it's reminding the audience that, hey, Werewolf by Night, remember. Mm-hmm. Like Werewolf by Night, because they clearly plan on using him more, but with all the delays and the strikes and everything, his next thing is like not coming. So and they want to do something for Halloween and they're like, let's just do this. Let's remind mm-hmm. our audience that like this character is out there. So will I be watching it? Yes, because I, I love Werewolf by Night. But at first it did rub me the wrong way, but then I thought about it and was like, ah, okay, I'm I'm pleased with it. We'll see. Yeah. My first reaction was also excited. I was, because like you said, it's like a reboot where like you don't lose the original, like you yeah. don't say all the time. Yeah. It just is another thing to the franchise. You can like it or not, but yeah. it just resurged and makes it resurgent again. So I agree. I agree. What's the last on the B-roll? Last one is, on Pablo Torre finds out Stephen Glover revealed that the Lando series will now be a movie. Yes. So Stephen Glover, who I believe is the brother of Donald Glover, uh, they've it was re- uh, announced a few weeks ago that they took over from Justin Simeon to do the Lando series, Lando Calrissian for Star Wars. And uh, Stephen Glover went on Pablo Torre Finds Out, which is a podcast, and kind of revealed on his own, like, oh, no, that's a movie now. Like, we're 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 reworking that into a movie, theatrical movie. And then I believe Hollywood Reporter released the story afterwards and said, yeah, that's what we've heard too. So there you go. Lando's going to become a movie. Okay. I I was going to watch it regardless. (laughs) But uh, I'm curious to see how that's going to turn out. And I just thought that would be interesting to share with you guys. And uh, with that down, we're now going to move on to the box office. The box office. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I have Nick's and Amai's predictions from last so week. So prepared. 
Thank you. Nick did it. <laughs> it was <Venice>. not me. <laughs> so uh, Nick's predictions were Haunting in Venice, None 2, Equalizer 3, Barbie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. My predictions were Haunting in Venice, None 2, Equalizer 3, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and Barbie. I was wrong by one. Really? The None 2 stayed number one. Whoa. Yes, by $200,000. And these are the Sunday estimates. So we could find out tomorrow that it flippy flopped. So look in the description for the final Monday numbers. But this is interesting. A movie that is not fantastic, but also from a, a cinema score perspective, scored low, only dropping 55% is a rarity. Mm-hmm. Normally, it was this had every check mark to have a bigger drop than that. Mm-hmm. And it held. So, with that down, here is the top five box office of last weekend. The Nun 2 made $14.7 million, as I said, dropping only 55%. Haunting in Venice opened to $14.5 million. The Equalizer 3 uh, dropped 40% from week 2 to week 3, making $7.2 million. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 dropped 53%, making $4.7 million. And Barbie came in fifth, making $3.9 million. Dollars. This is crazy, and a lot of box office stuff to go into. The Nun 2, for example, has now made $158 million worldwide. Safe to say it's made its money back and then some. Horror rules. A Haunting in Venice. Let me see what the budget of that is. So a Haunting in Venice apparently has a budget of around $60 million. Mm-hmm. And so far, worldwide, it's made 37 So it's got a little while to go. Uh, but we'll see how it holds and stays. There's not a ton of stuff coming out until the Oscar season really starts. And even then, that's a bit pushed because of Dune. Uh, Equalizer 3 now has made $132 million worldwide. It's continuing to uh, to grow a little bit, but it wow. still has a little bit more to make. It's made about two times its budget. It needs to go just a little bit further before it can really get there to profitability. But it seems to be on its way. The Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 now has $23 million worldwide. It's probably hit its production budget by now. Uh, so it still has a little while to go for profitability. And Barbie, you know, now has $1.4 billion worldwide. Domestically, it actually surpassed The Avengers to become the 11th highest grossing movie domestically. Whoa. Good for Barbie. Uh, let's look at other stuff here. Uh, Jawan, the Indian film that we talked about last week, uh, has apparently, according to the numbers, $15 million worldwide now. Um, it's going well. Apparently, this director over in India is very popular, so continues to grow, and it opened in the top five in America, which is really cool. Let's dive into some more here. Oppenheimer has now passed $900 million at the worldwide box office and has surpassed Bohemian Rhapsody to become the highest-grossing biopic of all time. Wow. The movie about Oppenheimer and the <laughs> atom bomb, the three-hour drama. No Do one that. can do it like Nolan. And um, it looks like it'll end its domestic run around 950. It's not going to quite get to a billion. If it did, it'd be crazy, but mm-hmm. it seems unlikely. But this is nothing to sneeze at. Universal should be very pleased with this. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem now has 167 million worldwide. 2.4. It's right there on profitability. Just a little bit more. And then it should be should be good. I would see this as a win if I was the studio. Bottoms has now made $9 million, uh, just shy of its $11 million budget, but we'll see how much more it can make. I believe it's now on digital as well. Shame. Or at least close. And The Meg 2 has now made $385 million worldwide. 
and 81 of that is domestic, which is just a lovely story. Lastly, I'll dive into Gran Turismo here. Now made $102 million worldwide. It's cracked that 100 number, but like the Equalizer and um, Hunting and Venice, still has a little bit more to go before it can get to profitability. Around 120 is double. Will it get to 150, 180? Probably not, but we'll have to see how it goes. It was kind of a risk for the studio in the first place. And with that being said, though, Hannah, any surprises from the box office there? No. (laughs) I mean, I guess the nun sticking it out Mm -hmm. for one is kind of crazy because, like you said, it was not good. Um, So I'm surprised it stuck with one. It's also kind of sad that Haunting of Venice didn't get number one in its opening weekend. But I knew that we we knew that it was never going to make bank yeah so 14 in the opening again i guess is fine barbie's still up there in the top five that's great that's crazy not even mad it's on digital too it's still in the top five and it's still in the top five that's that's insane um yeah not no huge surprises pretty pretty cut and dry equalizer has legs that's yeah that's pretty solid i still haven't seen it it's a good franchise i've been Mm -hmm. saying that yeah uh oh they're gonna make a 4k three pack (gasps) oh At least they should, right? Yeah. I'll get it. I'll get the 4K three pack. Of course you will. But uh, Hannah, let's do predictions for next week. Okay. What comes out? (laughs) uh, So Expendables 4 comes out. Oh. And Dumb Money. But Dumb Money goes fully worldwide the following week. Oh. So we're getting it next week. Like Orlando's getting it next Mm. week. But it doesn't go fully worldwide into the following week. Okay. How many uh, theaters is it releasing to? Let me see. I take this very seriously. So yeah, Dumb Money goes into 200 theaters next week, and then it goes wide a couple thousand after, so be careful with predictions on that. Okay. But uh, what are your predictions for next week? Okay, my predictions. I'm going to do number one, Expendables. Okay. Yep, we're going to do that. Uh, then I'll do The Nun 2. Okay. Then I'll do Haunting. Okay. Then I'll do Equalizer. Okay. And then I'll do Dumb Money. Okay. You think you can sneak in there in the 200 theaters? I don't know. We'll see. All right. All right. Fair. I'm going to go Expendables number one. Haunting of Venice number two. None two number three. Equalizer three number four. My Big Fat Greek Wedding three number five. Okay. Slipping it at the end. We'll see how it goes. Hmm. We'll see how it goes. No Barbie and you call yourself feminist. I almost put Yikes. Barbie at the end too. <laughs> I almost did. And I put the uh, Pete Davidson movie. Man, not my girl Margot Robbie. Bad look. Honestly. <laughs> Bad look. Cut uh, that, cut that, cut that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we got Shalene Woodley and Dumb Money. Uh, we do love her. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> and uh, with that down, guys, that's the show. I've been Dalton Burdett. And I'm Hannah Heiler. And we'll see you next time.